0: All right, quick question. Who here loves games? Any card players or board game fanatics? Maybe you're thinking, well, I play with my kids, I guess, but who has the time really? Or you believe that games and playing are just a really big waste of valuable time and productivity. I come bearing good news for all you adults who think playing is just for kids. Did you know that playing is actually one of the best activities you could do to be a stable, creative, and productive human being? But what about video games? Did you know that playing them can help make the world a better and more empathic place? The state of play is a deeply human instinct. We don't just want to play, we should play. And when it comes to video games specifically, let me just say huge changes are underway. Gaming is expanding into massively unexpected terrain, and it is about to come at you in places you never even imagined. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me take you on one of our little road trips. Huh, let's see, maybe 2043. We're about to find out what would happen if gaming and reality became one. All right, Mercedes, today is the day. I'm going to make top 10 on the global leaderboard while you drive me to work. Let's make this ride a victory lap.
1: Please remember, Ricardia, the key to winning the EcoDrive challenge is maintaining efficient driving habits. The game rewards smooth acceleration, steady speed and gentle braking.
0: Hey, are you criticizing my driving skills by any
1: chance? Well, you certainly seem to like playing, so never mind. By the way, if you place in the top 10 today, you unlock the exclusive Futurist skin for your Electric G-Class. A new skin? Okay, now
0: you're talking. I've had my eyes on that thing forever. Let's do it. just overtook the dude in 12th place. We're closing in on 10, Mercedes.
1: Are you ready for my evil laugh? Maybe not right now, Ricardia. My memory chip is already making space for the winner's moment. Keep this up and the futurist skin will be yours.
0: Doesn't this seem crazy, Mercedes? My commute to work looks nothing like a commute. Not only am I not stressing out over traffic, I'm having fun playing. Physically, I might be in a car, but
1: almost metaphysically, I'm inside a parallel universe. Indeed, Ricardia. Not much of a player myself, but it's quite astonishing that when the boundaries between digital and physical realities became more and more of a blur, gaming led to breakthroughs in places like the medical and educational arenas. I know. Who'd have thought
0: that by playing, you could get better at your job, contribute to society, even learn a thing or two about yourself? Mercedes, I just entered the top ten. Next up, number one on the leaderboard and $10,000 for a college scholarship. Can you spell win-win?
1: Well played. If you'll excuse the pun...
0: Hi everyone, I'm Ricardia Bramley. Welcome back to Future Dimensions, a podcast brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Let me get something off my chest right now. There is so much about playing and playing video games that I just didn't know. If you're anything like me, you might play the occasional game or you've dabbled in gaming. For example, does anyone remember those earlier video games? There was the one that kept making you tidy up falling bricks. Uh, and then there was that monkey game, and oh, let's not forget the early days of video games, where you used something that looked like a stick shift? The very first video game is said to have been invented in 1958 already. It was nothing extraordinary, just a simple game of tennis. But man, have the protagonists and settings of video games changed since then. Gone are the days when the only action you could perform was moving through a maze or evading the rolling fireballs of a certain gorilla. (laughs) Today's video games are so much more sophisticated. They've successfully catapulted us into a new era of interactive realities. And even more, into a future where gaming no longer can be considered child's play. Speaking of play, you are going to hear from two very special guests today. Erin Ashley Simon, a passionate change maker, gamer, and entrepreneur. She will share with us how gaming is actively changing society. Before talking to Erin Ashley, I thought games were a highly specialized kind of toy. Something you grew out of eventually. How funny, because I couldn't have been more wrong.
2: It's so much more. It's a social activity. Um, I think that we really started to see, especially in 2020, um, how it was integrated into a lot of people's lives to stay connected during quarantine time. So, you know, it is something that has always been integrated into mainstream pop culture. But I would say in terms of all of our understanding and embracing it and understanding that it's not a bad thing and the stereotypes around it you know, aren't entirely true, I think that that is starting to change overall across the world. We'll get
0: more into why we might want to rethink our relationship to gaming, even when we already love playing. You'll see that games are going to change us. In fact, they've already started, and in years to come, they will challenge how we view society, inequality, and technology. But for this episode, we are going to drill a little deeper and explore the state of play. In an era where productivity is king, why should we waste valuable time playing? And since we're on it, what is the difference between gaming and playing? It was specifically that last question that led me to my second guest, the most unconventional philosopher that side of the Pacific, University of Utah professor T. Neung. When I asked him to explain the difference between gaming and playing, it became clear that play is for play's sake. There's no goal, no agenda, but games have a certain structure and rules that you either adhere to or not. Interesting, isn't it? By the way. I asked T why we play. He challenged me right off the bat.
3: I almost want to flip your question. Like, why have we gotten to the point where people think it's weird to value play or think about play? Like, what? how did we get so brainwashed into a productivity mindset that we're like, why would you ever play? Just put your nose down and do your job, man.
0: That wasn't the last time T would take my question, turn it on its head and blow my mind. Now that we know how serious T thinks about playtime, it's inevitable there is more to it than, please excuse the pun, fun and games. So I wondered out loud to him, T, what is it with play? Why should we spend precious adult time, well, horsing around?
3: I'm going to give you a very frustrating answer, which is that there are a billion reasons to play. And actually, the interesting question is, why we've been convinced not to play. There's one reason not to play, that it's unproductive. There's play mindset, and there's productivity mindset. And productivity mindset says, an activity is only useful if you get something out of it. And the philosopher always says like, well, what's that for? Right? I always run through my students on the first day on this like little question of like, well, why are you here? To get a job. Why are you getting a job? To make money. Why are you making money? To have a car. Why do you want a car? Uh, to get to work? Okay. What are we doing it for?
0: Doesn't this guy sound like fun? But I was still not totally convinced that passing my time with playing games wasn't a waste of time. Probably how T's students felt when he quoted from one of his favorite books, Bernhard Suits, The Grasshopper.
3: I give this argument to my students all the time, and they hated it for so much. And then some of them come around. So here's his argument. At the end of his book, he says, Imagine Utopia. In utopia, we've solved all our practical problems, solved all our medical problems, technological problems. What would we do with our time? And he says, well, we would play games or we would be bored out of our minds. And then he says, so games must be the meaning of life if they're what we would do in utopia.
0: All right, people, I'm putting my philosopher hat on. Brace yourselves. If games are the meaning of life, is play the way to live it? Hey, here I'm trying to find out about the meaning of gaming in the future, and before I know it, I'm learning about life instead. All games aside, all right, last pun, I promise. There's this nagging little voice many of us hear. What about results, outcomes, measurable success? Are we getting it all wrong? Wouldn't you know it? T asks the counter question once more.
3: What makes a life valuable? It can't just be the outcomes because we use the outcomes to get something else, right? If you're making something that's usable to get something else. So what makes a life valuable has to be in the activity itself, an autotelic activity, right? An activity that's valuable for its own sake. What Suits is saying is, what is the activity you choose for its own sake? Literally, that's what games are. By definition, games are the struggles you choose because you want the struggle itself, right? So I think... One way to put it is there's a billion reasons to play, but what ties them together is they're all activity that's valuable for your own sake.
0: Wow. A billion reasons to play. How does that sound? What's a whole new spin on the game of life? Remember that board game? Not only that, if tea is to be believed, if we don't play, we are missing out on the meaning of life. How's that for a tectonic mind shift? T says humans have always played, and for very good reasons. To play is to create, innovate, and I want to say, reinvent parts of yourself. Now let's put that into the context of gaming. With gaming, it's different. It asks different skill sets from us. How we engage is different, but it's undeniable. Playing video games is a form of play too. Gaming appeals to our deeply human desires in very specific ways, and we are willing to invest a good amount of money to get what we want. Right,
1: Mercedes? Indeed, Ricardia. Gaming is a multi-billion dollar industry. In 2023 alone, gaming industry revenue is projected to reach $365.6 billion globally. That is more than the GDP of Italy and Spain combined. Care to guess how many people are doing this? 3.7 billion people play on their smartphones, PCs, or gaming consoles right now. That is almost half the world's entire population.
0: In case you thought the numbers weren't staggering enough, here's the biggest trend of the future at play. Humans want to be both entertained and interact with their media. At least that is what the German Future Research Institute a.k.a. the Zukunftsinstitut claims. Have you noticed this in yourself? We don't just want to sit in front of our TVs anymore, accepting other people's stories unquestioned. No, no, no. We want to co-produce the media we consume. We want our name up there on the leaderboard. But let's go further. What's so great about gaming? Is it a productive use of our time or are we just wasting our life away?
2: No gaming before you've cleaned up this mess in your room.
0: Okay, did anybody else hear their parents' voice just now? No, but like seriously, don't games just numb your brains, create ADHD in your kids, and turn your life into your own personal zombie apocalypse? I asked T straight out, isn't gaming just inherently bad for us? I mean, what the heck are we doing with our lifetime? T smiles. This isn't the first time someone has said that to him, I think. Here's how he smashed the common conception that playing video games is bad for us.
3: I think there's a prejudice against gaming revealed in your question, which is that you're asking the question about gaming as a whole. Like, imagine you asked a film critic, are movies numbing people or are they enlarging them? And the answer is, depends on which movie, right? Like, there are movies that numb and destroy and movies that are enlarging and enriching. I write about games and the art form of games, and people say, you must love all games. I'm like, no, I hate most games. I hate 95% of the games that are out there. I think that's also true. Like, you would be unsurprised if you talked to a professor of film, right? And they were like, 95% of films are crap.
0: He's right. You can't discount an entire medium because of some bad examples. And as it turns out, games mirror and create some of the deepest human experiences we know. In that way, they are like movies gaming will become even more of a transformative power going forward. Why? Because games now and in the future will help us understand ourselves, our fellow humans, and even some of the most inexplicable and difficult realities we can't always relate to. Here's Aaron Ashley again with a story I didn't see
2: coming. Um, there's this gentleman. Um, I, I feel bad because uh, his
1: name's not coming to me right now. No problem, Erin. We think you mean Syrian refugee game developer Jack Gutmann, who created the game for the United Nations Refugee Agency. But he actually developed a video game that puts people into the
2: shoes of war refugees. And as you continue to play this game, it actually helps to provide resources for refugees. So I was like, wow! Like this actually shows you an amazing benefit of video games and how it can actually take the experience and create an educational understanding virtually, but then also help in reality and and with people who who really do need help. So when I saw that, I was like, wow! Like and it really shows you that video games can be used um, not only to create some immersive and unique experiences uh, URL, but like it also can be utilized to benefit others and to help others in real life as well. Games are
0: increasingly allowing us to step into the worlds of others. It's not just about buying a new skin like my future self did earlier in this episode. It's about actually living inside the skin of another person. Can you imagine what this will do for international understanding, psychology, or something as simple as empathy? I was already pretty amazed by Aaron Ashley's example here. But what's more is that greater numbers of people are gaining access to games. And having access means games can be utilized to help those underserved demographics.
2: All I can say is, play more Minecraft people. I mean, we're starting to see schools and and even high schools are using Minecraft to teach the youth uh, different things within history and and, and other curriculums. And, you know, I'm really excited to see video games be utilized as a way to educate, to um, improve people's lives, to grow and create opportunities in different areas and cities. I'm really also looking forward to how... You know, video games can be used to tell the stories and more stories that I feel like are
0: untold. Aaron Ashley made an even more dramatic point about where games will take us in the future. Kind of a life or death deal. Sorry if that sounds a little apocalyptic, but here's the thing. If you struggle with an illness in the future, let's just say that if you are in the artful hands of a gamer, you will be one lucky patient.
2: Video games are also being used a lot more in the medical field. There is an FDA-approved video game that actually is used to help ADHD. So we're starting to see that video games can be tapped into and utilized not only just in entertainment, but just overall. Um, I mean, we've seen also how um, some of these competitive gaming tournaments have increased finance or tourism spending in certain cities. Uh, I think uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, they put out a study showing how like one of the tournaments they held there and how much money it brought to the actual city. So we, we see a lot of this kind of like cross intersection when it comes to video games and it's even beyond just entertainment. I think that, you know, video games are an art form and they also are technology. So it can be integrated into so many different areas, um, so many different places. Aaron's right. That eSports Riot Games tournament generated a whopping
0: $2.74 million in direct economic impact for Wake County, South Carolina. With this example, Aaron Ashley got my curiosity going. If we're going to educate and elevate next generations with video games, what about society or social impact?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that video games can be used as a success vehicle for underserved and underrepresented communities. And it's already starting to happen where, whether it's on the competitive front where players can like win money um, from various different countries and places or, um, you know, there's scholarships. I loved the idea of video games
0: serving as an entry ticket for people who may otherwise never explore entire careers or lives even. But in this era of hyper-fast transformation, innovation, and change, will there be a role for video games and
2: people to connect in real places, switching back from game to real life? I think that we are going to see a lot more immersive experiences, even like in person when it comes to games like these uh, esports tournaments or locations and areas where, like we're starting to see even like quote unquote land centers where people can go and play games and um, hang out with friends and spend like a Friday night, Saturday night. Like gaming is going to be much more ingrained in our culture. And especially because, you know, most of the people who are now becoming executives were young gamers at one point. So now you have people in positions who actually understand video games and actually understand gaming who are in all these unique positions. And so we're going to start to see very much a change culturally, and hopefully that will help with the ongoing advancement of technology.
0: I'm excited for what lies ahead in the virtual realm, and not just on the tech front. Of course, I wanted our philosopher to weigh in on the future of gaming as well. Was he equally as optimistic as Aaron? Does he feel the impact will be a massively positive experience for humankind?
3: Yeah, I mean, there are things I'm terrified about and things I'm so excited about. I think right now we're seeing an explosion of the potential on the evil side and the opening side. The evil side is abusing this technology of manipulating desires to get people into addictive, numbing states. That's definitely something we're seeing. And the other side is using this social technology to open up all kinds of different interactions and states of being that we didn't know we could access. Both of those are made available by games. And I think we're exploring, this is the thing I'm seeing. I think we're rapidly exploring the potential on both sides. And the corrosive side is getting more hyper adept at being super addictive and corrosive. And the opening side is exploring wild, new, fascinating terrain that I never expected growing up. That's the future. It's going in both directions at an unbelievable pace. And it's both terrifying and amazing.
0: So there you have it. When the lines between real life and game life get blurred, it can be both terrifying and amazing. Maybe tea has me waxing philosophical, but it looks like it's going to be as it always has been in some ways. How we use new technology is very much going to determine what it does with us as humans and how it can serve both in the professional world and society as a whole. I'm feeling optimistic, and I'll tell you why. The idea that doctors might perform hundreds of surgeries in a game environment before actually performing the procedure on a real human just makes common sense. Also, the fact that, according to Aaron Ashley, games are becoming something of a tool for greater equality, communication, and creativity is another reason to celebrate and, dare I say, help shape the future the way we want to see it. This was Future Dimensions, a podcast brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. That's it from me, your host, Ricardia Bramley. In our next episode, we'll explore the future of retro and find out why glancing through that rearview mirror may unlock how we live, design and think about the future. Please don't forget to subscribe, comment and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay tuned and stay curious.